That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy. Like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey, everyone. I'm Jacqueline Johnson, the founder of Create and Cultivate. And this is Work Party, a podcast for a new generation of women who are ditching the rulebook and redefining the meaning of work on their own terms. In each episode, we bring in leading female entrepreneurs for real talk advice on the topics that matter most to the modern career woman. From hiring to mentorship to raising money and so much more, whether you are pivoting to a new industry, negotiating a raise, turning your side hustle into a full-time gig, or pitching your company to investors, we're giving you the tips and tricks you need to take your career to the next level. Are you ready to make some money moves? Well, welcome to Work Party, the podcast. Hey listeners, you're tuning into the Work Party Money Moves Founders Framework. In this series, successful founders are sharing their perspectives on startup funding scenarios. They've just received a $10,000 small business loan to start a business. Let's see how they build a framework on how to spend it. So joining me today is Lauren Mylan, CEO of Digital Undivided, the nation's leading nonprofit that leverages data, programs, and advocacy to catalyze economic growth and success for Black and Latina female entrepreneurs. She's also the CEO of LMB Group, a strategic marketing and brand advisory company working with Fortune 500 brands and high growth startups. She's also the first black woman to start an early stage VC fund and is now an investor for an advisor to the Athena Consumer Acquisitions Corporations, the second all women Athena SPAC. Lauren is also the author of bestselling memoir, The Path Redefined, Getting to the Top on Your Own Terms. I mean, she is a multi-hyphenate change agent committed to diversity, innovation, and inclusion with over 15 years of experience. She's advised and invested in over 40 startups, and her portfolio represents more than $5 billion in market cap. Uh, needless to say, this woman is a wealth of knowledge, and when it comes to strategic spending, she is our go-to gal. So Lauren, thank you so much for joining me. I am so excited to dive in and hear more about how you would take this $10,000 in funding and make it work for you. So excited to chat. So first of all, congratulations on all your success. Obviously, you've done incredible work. So I can imagine working in these types of businesses is extremely rewarding, obviously, in the nonprofit space and what an impact you've made. So first of all, give us your background. Tell us the story of how you got to where you are today. Oh, my goodness. It's a long story. And it is so great to be here with you, Jacqueline. You know, big fan of yours for a long time. And I know you know the founder hustle very well and also the rewards that it can bring. So appreciate the kind words, but I I know that you've been in my seat as well and and are still to this day. You know, we're still climbing, both of us, I think, right? And enjoy the climb every day. Uh, I am a three-time entrepreneur, three-time founder, three-time CEO, uh, three-time believer in myself and my ability to build something really incredible and to build something of value. And over the years, I've, you know, turned into this multi-hyphenate that's also taken 
some of that financial reward and started investing it forward into really innovative, mainly consumer-facing, but not entirely consumer-facing portfolio of startups that I've come into really early on in their journey, several of which uh, have turned into unicorns in the last couple of years. So, you know, I, I wear the investor hat really proudly, but from the seat of my founder intuition, I'm also an advisor, almost an equal part as I am an investor. I'm a mom. Uh, and I'm now also a woman who takes companies public. So it's been a lot of fun to really go through the complete journey of entrepreneurship for myself, but to also see and discover where I can tap in and add more value, whether that's as you know a marketer, I'm, I'm known also to wear the hat of award-winning brand marketer, working with Fortune 100 brands, whether I'm helping startups figure out their roadmap to the future, or whether I'm helping my children figure out exactly you know, the businesses that they want to have and the enterprises that they want to run, it's, I've got the founder blood in me. And as we see, <laughs> you know, the founder blood is is also great leadership, right? For a variety of reasons. So I just consider myself a, a an unapologetic change agent uh, every day who chooses to tap into another area of either my expertise or my passion to make it possible. I love it. I mean, so impressive across the board. So you're also the CEO of Digital Undivided. So for those who might not know what that is, can you give us sort of the elevator pitch on what you guys do? Yeah. So Digital Undivided is the nation's leading nonprofit organization driving the global shift towards inclusive innovation and entrepreneurship for Black and Latina women, arguably the most underrepresented, undervalued, under-resourced group of founders but women that have incredibly resilient spirit and who are very persistent, right? And so it's an honor and privilege to serve the organization as CEO for the last almost two and a half years. But prior to that, I chaired our board of directors at the nonprofit. And so it's been you know, an honor to be able to step in and to be asked to step in to serve uh, during the racial reckoning, during COVID, but really during the time that we saw the greatest demand for women and for people of color, let alone the double minority women of color, to find and utilize entrepreneurship as a pathway to success and, and a viable a viable career path, you know, another way to take care of our families and pay the bills, which is what we're all trying to do no matter what level we're at in life. And we do the work at Digital Undivided across three pillars. So we have a data and research institute. We have five different programs that serve and service Black and Latina women founders every way from the beginning of their journey, whether they're just idea stage and starting out all the way through to seven and eight figure plus revenue and venture capital funding, and then community and events. So we work across three pillars of which all three, I think are really critical for the, the success of women in business. Absolutely. Such an important mission in, in what you guys are doing. And you are kind of the perfect person to talk to about this special episode of Work Party because you, as mentioned, have the founder hat, you have the CEO hat, you have the advisor and the investor. So you have all of the different viewpoints into what it takes to run a business. So let's start with you have $10,000 to kickstart your service-based business and it's time to make some moves. So before we get into the nitty gritty, can you share if you were day one about to launch this business, how you're starting to develop a framework for the allocation of those funds in your head? So I like to do entrepreneurship backwards. I think especially as a woman of color, knowing how and why everyone thinks you're not going to win actually allows you to create a playbook to win because you know all the reasons that folks are doubting you. So I would do the same thing with the $10,000 and I would work backwards based upon not where I just think I need to use and spend the money and make an investment, 
but also where do I already have access to those talents, skills, people, products, and services? If I have it available to me in a friend, in a family member, if I have it available to even perhaps barter, I would probably do that first because $10,000 we can go through really quickly. And I also always believe in having a little bit of a cushion stored away just so that you don't feel like you have your back against the wall because you never want to make moves in times of desperation. So I would work backwards and say, what do I need for my business? If that's marketing, if that's branding, if that's sales rep, you know, I would get really creative um, with how we can compensate those people. Do they all need to be paid in cash? Can they be paid you know, on a, a revenue share split or something that allows me to preserve the cash on hand of this $10,000 and maybe pay them a smaller fee up front for their time that they're going to put in and then reward them for job well done on the back end? Are there some services that you know, you might need, but that you have access to in another for- fashion or format, whether that be by way of bartering services, whether that be outsourcing or looking on, you know, a variety of different platforms uh, that are engaging in the kind of the gig economy to help you find somebody who has that skill that can provide what you need in a short-term non-committal fashion, which is obviously what you need with $10,000 because you wouldn't be able to bring on anybody full-time. So what is the most flexible, on-demand, yet specific way that is cost-effective and going to help you at least get to the very first step. What I would caution is trying to go for absolute best in class across the board. Of course, I always want to go for best in class. I always want to go for great quality. But I think when you have a smaller amount of financial resources that are at your disposal, it's really the responsibility of the founder, of the leader, of the CEO, of the architect, of the strategist, whoever it is that's on your team helping you. And even if it's a team of one, right? Use your time wisely and realize that time is money. So if you will, you will always save money. We can take social media as an example. If you go to someone and say, I want you to create my social strategy, soup to nuts, find my competitive landscape, do my branding and do my posting, you're going to pay far more than saying, Hey, I've done this work in advance. I know exactly what the tone is of my brand. Here are the colors. Here's the look and feel. Here's the mood board for my graphics. Here's how often I want to post. Here's what I want to talk about. Here's my why. Here are the links here are the assets, or here's an idea of the types of assets that I'd like, then the more direction you give, A, the more you'll get what you actually want, and B, the more you'll be able to really optimize the use of that capital. Bank of America knows that women entrepreneurs often face challenges in accessing the necessary capital and resources to run and grow your own businesses. That's why they invest in partnerships that connect you to the mentoring, training, and capital you need to find success. You can get access to experts, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Work with local specialists one-on-one to meet with the unique needs of your business. Learn about sources of funding through the Access to Capital directory, or find financing opportunities through the Tory Burch and Bank of America Capital Program. You can even earn a certificate in women's entrepreneurship through the free Bank of America Institute for Women's Entrepreneurship at Cornell, an online learning portal that provides women entrepreneurs with the skills, knowledge, and resources to build, manage, and scale a business. To learn more, visit bankofamerica.com slash women business owners. Bank of America, what would you like the power to do? So what area of the business would you focus on first? Like, what do you think the highest priority is in starting a service-based business? Is it the website? Is it the branding? Let's start with pricing because I see a lot of people put the energy into, I would say pricing and customer service would go hand in hand for me in terms of priority. But if you really had to concentrate on one more than the other, I would say pricing 
And when I say pricing, that also means costing. It's not just what is the price of your product, but do you actually have a profit margin to allow you to even be sustainable? Like even if you blew your mind and hit all of your sales goals and exceeded them, would that be good for business or bad for business? I think we see that happen a lot, you know, whether it's discount sites or what have you, we've heard lots of horror stories of companies that are underwater because they didn't get their pricing model or their cost model down right. So understanding your cost of goods, whatever that is, that could be human labor or talent, it could be, you know, including your shipping cost, whatever that is, but make sure that your price is appropriate for your market, for your product, but most importantly, for your profit margins, or else you don't have a business. So let's start there first, right? And I would, I would literally ask the audience and any founders that are listening to play that game with yourself. Like if you'd sold a thousand units at said price, what does that do to your cost of goods, your COGS? What does that do to your profit margin? What does that do to your top line revenue? And does that mean that you're succeeding or does it mean that you would still potentially be underwater? And I think, you know, a lot of times folks are thinking that everything is scalable and it's just like, oh, well, I get to a thousand units. So just times 1000. Well, no, let's really think about it. Do you have enough people to get you to a thousand units, even to get you to hundred units, right? What other components of infrastructure do you need to scale in order for your price to be your price sustainably? So I think price is most important. I think a lot of people are rushing to get website stuff and cool branding and an Instagram page and all these things that folks are like, oh, it looks popping, but like, hmm, it's not so popping if it looks good and it's broke on the inside or it looks good and you're broke financially. Yes. Broken, broke. You don't want to be either. Don't be broke. You don't want to be broken. And you'll get yes. broken being broke. A hundred percent. And I also, I love that advice because it's so true. The focus, you know, really can be on the brand side of things, but if you don't have the margins to make the money, uh, it can go south very fast. But let's talk a little bit about branding. So as you've mentioned, you got the pop-in Instagram, you got all these different things. How important is these days, the branding of the business, the logo, the look and feel, all those things? I think the logo and the look and feel is important because that's your, your, first opportunity to create brand awareness, brand visibility, and and, and an opportunity to engage if we're talking about a product or service-based business with your customer, right? And so you'll hear often, you know, that you can lose that trust in just a moment and it takes a long time to build it up. So making sure that you are sensitive, whether that's to social issues, whether that's to who your customer is, whether that's to how something can be interpreted, whether that's colors, shapes, sizes, all of these things. And it's not to say that you can't iterate. We all iterate. Every brand iterates over time, you know, whether they change font types, maybe they don't completely change names. So I always say, think long and hard about your name and worry less about like the graphic or the quote unquote mark, as they call it, right? If you're going to trademark something, then that can always be iterated, right? Nike's got Nike, they've got the swoosh. They had something else before. A lot of brands evolve over time, especially around fonts, but it's really difficult to do around, you know, a name. So Think long and hard about the name, the meaning of the name, what it means to you, what it means to your consumers. You know, could could you have a faux pas uh-oh moment where it could be extrapolated and assumed to, to mean something else that could be hurtful or condescending? Like these are all things that I think are really, really important in the consumer landscape. And I think, you know, even for myself today as a marketer, it's something I think a lot about because we're in a world where everything is innately global. And so how are things translating? How are they translating in actual language? How are they translating in sentiment? What could get lost in translation? Is there a tagline or a mission statement that would crystallize or clarify some of these concerns that should be baked into the brand? Uh, What are your brand ethos? What are your brand values? 
These are all things I think are really important that set the tone. Absolutely. Yes, I totally agree. And I think that's so accurate the way you sort of encapsulated that. So you figured out your pricing. you got the great logo. Your Instagram looks good. Let's talk about marketing. So obviously to grow your business, you're going to need to get customers. So at what point would you say to start investing in marketing, specifically paid marketing? You know, I think that I would first start, well, I will take it back and it wasn't exactly the question because you asked about paid marketing, but I think that first doing unpaid, free marketing, outreach, garnering, you know, insights on who your customer is, what they want, what brands they dig, what brands they don't dig. Again, working backwards, if you listen intently and ask the right questions, which is free, (laughs) then you can actually put intelligent money, strategic dollars behind paid marketing. I think depends on, you know, if you have a physical presence or not and how you need to reach your customers in order to create a sale and in order to have a successful sale because returns exist in the world of product and service-based businesses. So it's not just about what do I do to get the sale? It's like, what do I do to get the most successful sale that's going to have a low rate of returns, right? Especially Mm. if we're talking about online businesses that are selling products, it's it's really toxic. You think you made a great sales goal and you have a 30-day, 14-day policy. You don't want on day 13 or 14 that all the customers you had two weeks ago call you and say, "Mm, time's up, I I don't want this anymore. More and you have to return their money or totally. worse, you have to make right on whatever they felt went wrong. And that often costs you more than just giving the client their money back. So I would employ paid marketing once I know exactly who my customer is and what they want from me that I can actually provide to them. And then again, going back to price delivery method and mode of communication and delivery then I think you begin to storytell and amplify that with paid marketing to answer those other questions that you know your customer has. So if you know that your customer, you know, you're selling bracelets, you know that they like gold, you're selling gold, you know, they like rose gold, you're selling, you're doing all the things that they like. Now it's down to price, you know, and what what, what else is that customer expecting from you? How are they going to get it? When will it arrive? You know, I've had my own horror stories of buying things like that catch me in my newsfeed on all sorts of social media platforms. And I'm like, what the heck did I do? Like I bought something, I get a receipt right away and I don't get my goods for 30 to 40 days to the point that I forget Mm. I bought it. Right. So that for me is a terrible experience. And I don't want to shop from there again. Even if the item comes in the mail and I'm like, Ooh, it's it's cool. Well, I didn't enjoy my experience of shopping from you. Right. So what is it that the customer is going to want to know or need to know to have confidence in their purchasing decision and really to even say, hey, look, while I'm waiting for the item, you want them to be telling their friends or while they're waiting for the service appointment or date, you want them to be telling their friends and, and beginning to, to spread brand awareness about what you're doing. And that's when I think we start to put dollars behind your marketing efforts. Every business owner may make different moves to run her business, but each one knows that it's essential to have the ongoing support of a trusted partner. By teaming with Bank of America, you get access to experts, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. As you start to run or grow your business, turn to dedicated local specialists for help every step along the way. Connect with longstanding partners to build your knowledge and to find a network of peers and mentors. You also have access to powerful digital tools and resources at your fingertips so you can manage your own accounts, find access to capital, and discover opportunities to grow your business. To learn more, visit bankofamerica.com slash small business. Bank of America, what would you like the power to do? 
When it comes to marketing from a broader perspective, where do you find your brands that you advise and invest in find the most success? Is it email marketing, social media, SEO, word of mouth, experiential? Like where are you seeing the most traction for newer brands? You know, a variety of a little bit of everything that you just mentioned, but they all have different cost bases, right? So Mm. doing something that is experiential is really expensive. You're not doing that with $10,000 and like guaranteeing yourself great ROI. Experiences are costly and they're exploratory oftentimes because that's why they're called a brand experience because you want someone to have an experience with the brand that's often also an opportunity to create content and other assets that can later be used and leveraged that might not have an immediate sales Mm. value. So I think always that email marketing, any way that you have immediate and direct communication and contact with your customer without the need for a third party to intervene is the best possible method of communications and also the best possible sales tool that you can have. I mean, we see now some changes happening across social media that are infuriating, you know, influencers and folks that really rely on these platforms to sell their goods and they don't have all of them email list. And so they are like their business model is completely turned upside down because of a decision that a third party makes for which you don't control or influence, that is not a great place to be as a founder or a CEO. So whether that's, I still believe in old school phone, I think SMS marketing is incredible. Email marketing is great. But again, how are you able to have direct, unfettered communication with your customer? And I think those are the top, the top methods to do it. Yeah, absolutely. It's so true. You can't rely on that one channel, especially if you don't own it. So that is great information. So let's talk about your operational costs. So capital expenditure is the money used to buy, improve, or extend the life of assets of a business. So your technology, your computer, your vehicles, your storefront, whatever it is, the physical items that depreciate over like five years. Exactly. (laughs) At the moment you buy them pretty much. So what kind of items are are necessary for when launching a service-based business and how much would you allocate towards the these specific items. You know, and I also just want to add on to my last answer quickly because it popped in my mind. Like, do not underestimate good old in-person contact. I know the world is opening up again, but my very first business, my vineyard and winery, I grew that company like crazy from a variety of marketing efforts, but also it was a lot of in-person going to wine festivals. Like I was out there, I was in the streets, I was pouring wine, you got to know me, you got to know the brand through me. You got to feel the brand and the brand sentiment through me and my team and being out and about and touching and feeling and tasting and seeing the bottle and things that are really hard to replicate over email or any other kind of medium. So don't underestimate old school guerrilla marketing. Don't underestimate even like sandwich boards. And, you know, I tell you, like, I I live in Puerto Rico now and I will just tell you that guerrilla marketing, I've never seen it be so strong and so effective. There are so many people here that are still like, you know, putting stickers on their car, wearing t-shirts. It doesn't matter kind of where you are in terms of your career or your business. You've got big high-end companies, founders that wear their branded t-shirts with phone numbers on the back. And literally, and I've been out and said, hey, wait, I need a contractor. Hey, wait, I need this. Like don't underestimate being your own marketing tool as well, just in everyday life. But going back to your question, Jacqueline, about capital expenditures, I think that the best place to first use your money is to secure an accountant and to know what they're going to cost you for the year. Accounting mis- mm. kill businesses, legal mistakes kill businesses too, but there's a lot of tools that are out there these days that are kind of do-it-yourself toolkits or at least do's and don'ts, some general rules that people can follow 
uh, at least in the early days, whereas a lot of the accounting problems are really hard to overcome. If you are selling a product or service and you're not paying your sales tax or your use tax, like you've got Mm -hmm. problems that can really truly stop a brand that's doing really well. And I think we've seen big examples of this in the news with fashion companies and brands and things that can get shut down for that. So don't underestimate the importance of, and I'm not saying that you prepay the accountant, but do make sure that you have found one that you you know, are comfortable working with, that you feel confident in working with, and that you put their money aside so that you don't end up in a tax problem. Let's start there. I'm big on money and I'm big on protecting money and our ability to make it. So that's first and foremost. And then I would say computers and external drives so that you can actually hold on all of your assets. I've heard so many horror stories of folks starting businesses on a Chromebook. Yes, everything's in the cloud, but something's saved to the device. I've heard horror stories of folks you know, overloading a Mac Air because it was the least expensive computer to buy, but you really need a hard drive. So don't be, as they say, what do they say now? Penny wise and pound foolish, right? Foolish. Like, yeah. Don't set yourself up to say, hey, I'm going to save a little bit here in the beginning, which can really truly cost you a lot more later on. And then I would also say that having some branded supplies of which you can create your own is, I think, a great way to also invest you know, some of your early dollars, whether that's that you're going to have, you know, branded business cards or thank you cards or a pamphlet on your company, but something that you can have to actually socialize with when you're out and about is another great way, especially for products and service-based businesses to use the early dollars that you do have. And then of course, in terms of capital expenditures, depending on what your business is, inventory. If you have no inventory, you have no business. So Yep. You know, even if that's putting a deposit on inventory, whether it's holding inventory, I don't care if it sits in your house, your garage, if you drop ship it, or if you just have a contract that's going to, you know, ship as, as the orders come in, but make sure that you actually have, have that unlock. It's really important because again, you don't want to put great marketing around something that you can't deliver. Absolutely. Yes, that's exactly right. So you got to get your product, you got to get the pricing, and then you got to get the marketing, but you got to make sure all three are working together. So again, incredible advice. So If your business needs more than $10,000, obviously that's the hypothetical scenario we're working with here. What other resources do you advise small business owners to explore? Is it loans? Is it angel investors? Is it VC funding, credit card? Like, How do you sort of think people should think about the funding scenario of their business? Get the cheapest money you can that's not your own. And sometimes that looks very different. Sometimes that might be a credit card. I don't really believe in founders running up credit card debt to start businesses, but I also know that everyone is in a different circumstance, right? So what I did Mm. on company number one is very different from what I did on company number two or company number three. Also, as we grow in our businesses, you know, if you're using corporate credit cards and you actually have corporate credit history and a DUNS number, there might be some zero interest cards that are available to you. And if you feel really comfortable and confident with your sales or your sales projections or your team's ability to, to continue to bring in more business, maybe you do want to use that 0% credit card just for cash flow if you only need it to kind of float inventory costs that you know we're going to continue to sell at a steady rate. Then you have to go and do some calculations so that you're making smart decisions with how much money you're putting on the card, making sure you're paying the card, you know, tracking the date of when that zero interest credit card starts kicking in interest, whether it's 12 months, 18 months, whatever it is. But I always say the least expensive capital is the right capital. When we're talking about kind of publicly available sources, if you will, far different from talking about angel investors or venture capitalists who can also come with not just capital, but an opinion. And that opinion Mm. may or may not behoove and benefit your company and where you want to go. But if we're talking about 
you know, loans and credit cards and lines of credit and these sorts of things go where the money is easiest for you to access and least expensive. Absolutely. Such great advice. So what are some tools, platforms, services, you know, you've either used to support the businesses that you've run or you suggest to some of your mentees and businesses you advise? Goodness, there's so many. I'll rattle off a couple. I in no particular order, but Slack, Asana, I think Zoho is really great, especially if you're on a budget and you're looking for like a product, uh, project management software or service. Uh, the entire Google suite, I think, is everybody's best friend when you're just starting out, right? Like it's the the easiest manual way to be really scrappy. And if you, you know, learn your Excel spreadsheet codes and formulas and things, you can actually create a pretty sophisticated system early on until you're ready for something more robust. Uh, I definitely caution, I know we're talking about how to allocate the money, but I would like to to caution and and kind of encourage folks to also think um, as intently about expenses, right? And not signing up Mm. for a whole bunch of recurring services and you turn around and you're like, okay, but how do I, where is this thousand dollars a month coming from? Well, you signed up for a whole bunch of services that look great that are maybe more robust than what you need right now. And those bills keep coming. It's not one of these, well, I didn't use it this month. And so like, they don't care. You signed up, you're going to pay. So just making sure that you have those, those kind of core services. I also really love Notion, my new kind of favorite email. And I have a lot of email providers that I really like, but like, you know, ConvertKit or Drip, they're great, but they're, they're quite robust and complex Mm. and they're expensive. And so just think, don't think about what do you want these tools to do for you? But are you even prepared to utilize all the tools and the suites of services that you might be signing up for? Like you even have people who have the bandwidth to get in there and utilize, you know, a more sophisticated CRM or email marketing software. You might want it, but if you don't have, it's just a team of one, like you need to be looking at Flowdesk. It's expensive. It's drag and drop. It's beautiful. It's got templates. It'll make you look like you have more people on your team than you really do. And it's all again about optimizing, but I know everyone's tempted to say, well, I'm using the biggest, bestest brand or business or platform or service, because you think that legitimizes your company to yourself or to your friends or to anyone that might be helping you. But again, if you're not going to actually utilize that service to at least 75 or 80% of its bells and whistles and what it offers, hold off on it. Like put a pin in it, make a note of like what you should switch over to once you hit said milestone and move then. But again, you really want to maximize your ROI early on so that you have more cash on hand to give you more flexibility and more confidence in your growth. Absolutely. Such, such great advice. So let's wrap up with rapid fire sentence finishers. Are you ready? Oh goodness. Yes. (laughs) Okay. A non-negotiable for my day is? A non-negotiable. Goodness. Is it every day or can it be most days? Most days. Okay. Fine. A non-negotiable for me, for me most days is not taking my kids to school or like taking my kids to school is my non-negotiable. I really love it. Yes. Don't get to do it every single day. That's fine for me. I'm fine for them, but it's not my norm. So that's like my one non-negotiable. I love having that time in the car with my kids. We play our music. We talk about all sorts of things. That's our bonding time. That's just us in our cone. And that means a lot to me. The best entrepreneurial advice I ever received was? If you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Love that. You just had a huge business win. What's the first thing you do? Check my bank account. Make sure the money's there. 
<laughs> Always wait till the wire hits. That is such great advice. Thank you so much, Lauren. Where can people follow you on social media and learn more about the work you're doing with Digital Undivided? So I am Lauren Mylan uh, on social media everywhere. So L-A-U-R-E-N-M-A-I-L-L-I-A-N on social, all places, pretty active on LinkedIn and always on Instagram as well. So check me there and starting to do a little bit on TikTok. So, you know, you can come find me, encourage me to do more. Tell me what you want to do, what you want to hear. And I'll drop some more gems, mainly on business is the plan for TikTok, just the business tips. And Digital Undivided is on social media at Digital Undivided, at Dig on Div on Twitter and digitalundivided.com. And then my personal website is laurenmylan.com. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me, Jacqueline. For more inspiring conversations like this one, follow the Work Party Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to rate and review us or show us some love on social. We love seeing you tune in every week and share your favorite episodes. We're at Work Party on Instagram and at It's a Work Party on Facebook and Twitter. I'm your host, Jacqueline Johnson, and this is Work Party. <laughs>